Hello, uh, welcome to Property with a View. It's a series of podcasts by the Digital Property Market Steering Group, talking to leaders from across the property market about how technology is hopefully changing the market so that it becomes more efficient and easier, uh, particularly to buy and sell property. I'm Mike Harlow, and today I'm talking with Sami Pahal. Sami is the Managing Director of the UK uh, PropTech Association, which has recently merged with the British Property Federation. Uh, Sami has a lot of experience uh, in the property market, having uh, also worked with Ordnance Survey, and I'm very glad she's joined us today because I'm very interested to find out uh, how PropTech is developing, what really PropTech is, and the impact uh, she thinks that PropTech is going to have on the way uh, the property market works in the near future. Sammy, thank you very much for coming. Um, firstly, can I just ask you to uh, introduce yourself, give us a bit of uh, uh, background so that we, we know who you are, um, and then talk about the association uh, and, it, and this new relationship it's got with the British Property Federation. What's that all about? Yeah, of course. Yeah, thanks, Mike, and um, really pleased to to be joining you on the podcast today. Um, so, I joined UK PropTech Association when it first formed about six years ago. Um, at that particular time, the PropTech industry was was just sort of getting off the ground. It was a fairly new new term, um, but PropTech had been around for for quite a long time, starting with the likes of sort of Rightmove and, and Zoopla, if you like. I know we're going to come on to what PropTech is, but I would I, I guess they are the original PropTechs. Um, before I joined UK PropTech Association, I, I worked for Ordnance Survey, so I, I actually um, had an understanding of, I suppose, how data was being used in the land and property sector and was managing the relationships with uh, some of the technology companies in that particular space that, again, space were considered prop techs. But at that particular time, I wasn't aware of that. Um, so I was sort of liaising with these companies and, and looking at how they were starting to use technology in a, um, and data in a different way. Um, and my background is actually not in tech or in real estate at all. Um, my background is in psychology. So I joined Ordnance Survey um, quite quite by chance, I suppose, and, and sort of started my career there and, and have ended up working um, in prop tech and uh, learning more about what technology is and how it applies to the property industry across those six years. So it's been quite a steep learning curve, I have to say. Um, but but very enjoyable to see where the industry is going. And when, when we first started UKPA, it really was to educate. So in addition to, to me learning about what the industry was doing, we were also trying to educate property companies on how technology was evolving and what it could mean for the industry across all parts of the built environment. So from design and construction to sales and, and leasing to property management to property investing. So um, there, was, there was a lot to do in, in those six years and we're still very much uh, focused on education. Um, but now I think the industry has got to the point where it has matured enough for people to understand it is critical to addressing some some uh, really important challenges that the industry is facing. 
Um, and there's much more willingness now to to look at how they can bring technology into their businesses, which is why we uh, have formed the merger with the British Property Federation, because we, we not only feel that the industry has matured enough for this to happen at the right time, um, but also it's about engaging a wider audience. So not just the sort of heads of innovation or directors of innovation that are responsible for looking at prop tech, but also people that are in senior management positions or in uh, very much core real estate roles uh, and could be uh, using technology. So it's been quite a journey. Um, and it's, I suppose it's, it, this is the next chapter now being part of BPF. It's, it, it, it's, it has the sense of um, prop tech just being not a, a separate thing being done kind of over there, um, but actually being in, you know, an inherent part of how you uh, manage commercial property, which is obviously what the British Property Federation is about. So um, does it mean that the, you know, the UK PropTech Association brand is going to get absorbed or is that still going to be separate? And no, it, at the moment it is still going to be separate. We have built up uh, our brand over the, over the six years and um, I think there's a recognition that, you know, we are, that the brand is strong and we want to keep that. We want to create a place for prop techs to to come together and, and be part of a community. So, you know, there's there's lots that prop techs can learn from each other as well as learning and engaging with the real estate side as well. So, you know, whilst we have that separate brand and there's definitely room for the prop tech community to be a community in its own right, you're absolutely right. It, it you know now needs to be embedded into the property industry, um, and I suppose fully integrated and thought of as not a separate thing, but but central to the, the strategy of of different businesses. So that's really what we're trying to do now is is get that message across and yeah. bridge the gap between our two networks. And and the association has just joined two cross sector boards the first is um you've joined the digital property market steering group and you've also joined the prop tech steering board which the department for leveling up has initiated uh, there's a lot of coming together at the moment um just tell us a bit about um you know why you've joined as an association why you've joined those two entities and also what what, what do you think these you know these groups and boards signifies it because it's it's uh, it's a degree of kind of coordination and alignment that I don't think we've seen before yeah no it's it's really exciting uh, that the government has created these these groups and is is looking to bring different industry players together um it's something that I think has been needed for quite a long time and we have always had a relationship with government um, to support their understanding of what the prop tech industry can do uh, and invited them along to various events where we've looked at how prop tech can help with tackling the affordability um, crisis or the shortage of housing, digitising the planning sector and, of course, uh, the home buying and selling process as well. So it's there's always, I think, in recent years at least, been a recognition that prop tech can help with some very critical national challenges but I think it's about you know finding the government finding its feet about what role they should play in supporting the industry to grow and, and to thrive and I think they're now 
seeing that actually, particularly with the UK Prop Tech Steering Board, they can create a, a you know a really um, thriving prop tech industry similar to what we've seen in fintech. So it's it's you know exciting that they really want to get behind that, and they've brought together not just myself and and Melanie Leach, CEO of VPF, but also some of the VCs who are investing in into prop techs. Um, they've also funded local authorities to bring in technology as well with the PropTech Innovation Fund. So I think there's some real um, interesting initiatives happening now and some real action that's being taken. So uh, the reason why I've joined is really to support that understanding even further so so government can understand exactly what um, PropTechs are doing in in those spaces that they're interested in, but also... um, that prop techs can have a voice back to government as well. I think there's been sort of ad hoc roundtable events here and there. But what's exciting now about this group is it it will be, you know, an ongoing group of people acting as representatives of the industry and feeding back to prop techs as well. So it will be ongoing and we can actually create a programme of work to, to create that thriving prop tech industry that we all want to see. Okay, so let's 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 come to we'll come back to um, what what we think those those entities uh, should do, what that program of work should be. Yeah. Um, but let's start with um, helping people understand um, where we're at today, because um, you know we all know that you know, technology is is phenomenal. Um, the, you know the change that it's brought in our lifetime has been amazing, and um, you know some things have plateaued. You know, mobile phone technology has gone through an amazing. Uh, transformation in the last 30 years, but is probably plateauing. And some things are just in the foothills, right? Like artificial intelligence, etc. So um, the, the the thing that strikes me, you mentioned fintech. The thing that strikes me when you look at different industries is how the technology um, has had, a, um, a, a, you know, has developed um, symmetrically. So the ability to you know, process information um, between computers and mobile phones has you know, has, has, has developed as a technology on a, on a level, but the sectors have not developed on a level. So, the, you know, the financial sector is way ahead, I would suggest, uh, in terms of the digitization and connectivity of systems and, the, you know, the ability to do everything digitally, um, way ahead of the property market. So why, what, what, what is the state of property technology? Where is it succeeding? And what, could um, property technology do for the market and why hasn't it happened yet? Yeah, all all very, very good questions. (laughs) And I'll try and answer that as best as I can. I suppose just firstly, I suppose looking at fintech and why there's been, you know, the uptake that we've seen in in that particular industry. I think the, the real estate industry is quite unique in in terms of the complexity of it and in terms of the number of different stakeholders involved in any one process, particularly when it comes to the buying and selling process, but also in in terms of property management as well. You have different uh, property companies involved or different stakeholders involved, and they all have to buy into the technology at the same time. And it's quite difficult to to get that to happen, but also it's difficult to understand or, or agree who actually is responsible for investing in the in the prop tech solution as well? Where should who should be paying for it? So I think that's still you know 
up for debate and I don't think we've quite cracked that nut just yet. Whereas I think in, in the fintech industry, in you know, banking and finance, that's very different. You have fewer players, you have fewer stakeholders, but also the number of the number of tech companies in that space are much fewer as well. I think prop tech is is a huge industry across across the globe, but in the UK we have you know just just less than a thousand companies. Um, so we don't have those kind of market leaders just yet. Um, compared to what you see in, in the banking world, we may have, you know, the, the the fintech disruptive banks that that we all know, like Monzo and Revolut, etc. So you have fewer players. You have it, it's easier to understand. I think one of the things that holds back the adoption of prop tech is that there are so many different companies, and it can be quite difficult to navigate what each of them do and who you should be working with. And it's no. It's not easy to say this prop tech company over over here is better than this one over here because it is very much dependent on each business's needs and how they're set up as well. So there are not those kind of clear winners. Um, and by the very nature of, of the built environment, and as I mentioned, the different stake, stakeholders, the different processes, et cetera, it, it can often be more than one prop tech company that yep. you need to, to you know, manage a property or to um create the experience that you want in in the property itself yeah there's probably there's quite a few points i'd like to pick up there because i think um uh the number of parties involved um uh you suggested um which kind of rings true with me is 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 a barrier um uh because they as you say they all need to buy in otherwise if somebody you know, somebody could have a really whizzy system and have been, you know, invested heavily in something. But if if the people they're trying to deal with don't, then they can't use it, right? They have to, they have to kind of get their paper and pen out again. So um, how do you, and, and, and of course, you then got the, you know, people uh, not knowing what to buy in order to know whether they can necessarily, when they need to, you know, work with another lawyer or another surveyor or whatever know whether their systems are going to connect up so what what is it that we can do um as a you know as a steering group as a government to make that uh, happen more quickly to make to make a to create this you know the the operating environment in which that just happens more easily well i suppose i think i would look at it slightly differently and i i think it's 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 difficult to force people to use one particular prop tech solution for the reasons I mentioned. Everybody has different business setups, different business requirements, yeah. Yeah. and often one tool can also be used for multiple different parts of the business as well. Yeah. So I think it, it it's pushing it's pushing against a wall if you are trying to say everybody use this particular solution or for this particular transaction, for example, we want you to, to use this system. Um, I think we should be looking at it differently in the sense that if prop techs can integrate better and we can create a data flow, it shouldn't matter what system you're using. As long as you can, your system that you're using works uh, with another system that you know, for example, in the transaction process, if a conveyancer is using a different system to an agent, 
or to the buyer and seller, then that should be absolutely fine as long as the data can flow between those systems and they can talk to each other. So I think government can play a role in helping to create those standards around that. So um, can you give me an example then of, of, you know, where in another sector or another part of the world where they have created or are working to you know those sorts of data standards and you know connectivity standards where the you know you've got a standard plug and a standard socket if you like so that um you know the industry people in the industry can buy a different piece of software that suits them knowing that they can then you know plug into the other law firm the other you know surveying firm bank whatever it is just you know where 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 does it work and, and and what is it that they did to make it work I, I'm not sure that anybody has, has actually got that 100% right just yet. I think right. I think prop tech is, is a fairly new industry and the UK is probably quite unique in, in the fact that there are so many different prop tech companies. As I mentioned, we probably have the biggest geography when it comes to prop tech. So I don't think the, therefore the challenge is as big um, in, in relation to prop techs not integrating together in other jurisdictions than compared to it is in the, to, to what it is in the UK. Right. So, yeah, uh, one, I suppose the challenge is not as great in other countries, but also I think um, no one has quite got it right just yet. Um, I think this is, yeah, this, I suppose the, the prop tech industry in that to an extent will, will consolidate so we will start to see more um, people, businesses coming together anyway. We will start to see more acquisitions. We will start to see more mergers. Yep. Um, and we will start to see some companies not surviving through the, the current sort of economic climate as well. So yep. I think naturally the number of prop techs will reduce. But of course, we will still always, given the nature of the property industry, require that integration to to be smoother. I think on the flip side, what we hear from prop techs um, who are being asked to integrate is that the problems that they're trying to solve are not very clearly defined. So they can, they are, you know, they can look at integrating, it costs them money. So if it's, if they're investing in that, they need to understand exactly what problem they're solving um, and why they should be doing that. And whether it's something that is is going to be scalable. So I think that's, you know, very different to the way that property companies think about things so so if there was um if there was a, a common language a common data standard and uh you know a common uh a c- common sort of uh, you know plug and socket so that the software systems could connect in um uh, it w- would that would make it better right so it you know if, if overnight we clicked our fingers and we had um, you know the equivalent of HTML, which makes the internet work. You know, whoever, wherever in the world you are, you know, you can you know speak to the rest of the world in HTML. If we had that, um, that would um, uh, enable. Uh, you know, going back to your your suggestion that the, one of the principal problems is that uh, there are lots of parties and they come together in a rather random order. You know, depending on. Um, you know how the transaction or the you know relationships are formed. If there was that standard data um, and standard connectivity, um, that would make the market 
adopt and use technology sooner? Is that is that fair to say? Well, so I suppose I don't think the, the challenge is necessarily creating those standards. I think it will be in getting people to adopt those standards. Yep. So whilst the benefits that are, are there and, and people would people would welcome it, yep. most most companies would welcome it, I think they then would have to look at retrospectively how they're storing data, how they're labeling different data sets or different data points. And that in itself is a, is a large piece of work to do. So I think yep. that yep. in principle, you know, everybody is on board with the concept. Yeah. But in practice, it's quite difficult to implement, which is why I think it's, it's not happened yet. And everybody yep. has started to create their own data standards within their own businesses, yeah. because yeah. particularly in the, in the commercial property world, there's there's not even, I think, common data standards between within one business. Everybody yeah. will store data in a, in a complete different way. So yeah. it's such a, a massive challenge yeah. that we're asking them to, to you know, to, ch- to change things without much, I guess, funding or in, in resource or investment. Yeah. But it's not going to get any better unless we do, I think is is what I'm getting, is that it, it, unless we do have a common data standard and common connectivity in the future, um, we are going to be left with a you know a problem of um, a lack of uh, ability for systems to talk to each other, which is just going to impair people's you know willingness to adopt technology and impair the effectiveness of that technology. So um, we do need to kind of broach um, that uh, uh, well, yeah, take on that challenge, create the standard, and then deal, as you say, with probably um, you know quite a tough road in terms of getting people to um, spend the time and the money in, in in changing their data and the way their systems work to to adopt it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's talk about the attitudes, if you like, of of the industry to the adoption of prop tech. To, um, I always think of the property market as a you know fairly traditional, uh, quite conservative market. I, I guess in terms of um, uh, its adoption of change, Does, um, do you think there is still um, a lack of understanding of the potential and the benefits of, of technology? Uh, worries about the risks it might pose. You know what what, um, what what's the sort of uh, human behavioural side of this that we need to talk about? Yeah. So. I think it. I think it. it it's a, it's a spectrum. I would say, you know, there are some companies who who have hired directors of innovation or innovation teams who are very much brought into the idea and potential of, of prop tech, and can recognise the benefits that it brings to their to their business. Um, but even within those organisations, there is still work to be done to actually create a successful implementation of the tech solutions that they're bringing in. So I think you've got on one hand, the, the initial willingness has to be there, absolutely. And, you know, those that have directors of innovation, as I mentioned, are demonstrating that they do have that willingness. Others, I think, are, you know, very early stage in their journey of exploring prop tech and may not have the um, resources or the, the funds to have someone dedicated to prop tech, which means it's then someone doing it in addition to their day job. So the level of investment into prop tech uh, 
and exploring how it can impact businesses is is different depending on how big the organization is depending on which part of the industry they're in for example in the commercial property industry i would say you you do tend to to have people responsible for for tech and innovation in the residential side less so um but that doesn't mean that there's fewer opportunities in the residential side absolutely not um but in terms of the implementation of tech, that's where I think we start to actually see some real challenges with when it comes to human behaviour. I think, you know, a company can have the best intentions for bringing in technology. They can have a fully thought out uh, digital transformation strategy across the business. They can resource that. They can bring people in. They can bring the experts in. As soon as you start to get people to do things differently, you start to to see some um, barriers because with the best will in the world, people do not like to change. You know, it's still, it, it's, it's human behaviour that, you know, we like to uh, continue with our habits. We, we find it difficult to, to change things unless we know exactly um, what we need to do to bring that change in. And I take it back to, it's a simple analogy, but... You know, when we set New Year's resolutions, we say, oh, you know, we're going to be going to the gym three times a week. But until you actually start to make a plan to say, well, if I am going to the gym three times a week, it means I need to get up at this time, which means I need to go to bed by 9pm, which means I need to eat by 7pm, etc. So you actually have to go to that level of detail to think about exactly what the steps are that you need to take. To, to make a change yeah. um human humans find it difficult so you know you actually need to have people responsible for change management coming in and i think that's where we're lacking as an industry we don't always have those experts that understand human behavior they just sort of think well everybody seems to be bought into it they understand the value it will be fine but it's not as simple as that um I, i'd actually I just suspect there, there may be people listening who think, well, actually, one of the things I'd, I'd question is the value. Because um, a lot of the time, you know, we, we've in our careers experienced technology being brought in and thought, well, I'm just doing it a different way. And I'm not sure it's any better as a result of the technology. So how would you, um, in general terms, looking at, you know, the whole of the way the property market works, how would you say, if somebody said, what is the point of prop tech? What does it actually you know what what difference is it going to make um what's the simple way you you know sum it up for people um i think it comes down to the problems that they're trying to solve i think the challenge around value or perceived value comes when you're looking at tech as a nice to have and you haven't quite matched that up with a problem that you're facing in the business and you know we we hear this all the time that property companies will say a prop tech is pitched to them but they haven't really they've told them they've got a problem but they don't they don't think that they do have a problem um and, and that in itself is it is another sort of challenge which we don't you know don't need to get into right now in terms of how prop techs pitch their products mm. and solutions but i think you have to start with what the problem is yeah. and what the business objectives are and yeah. how you're going to get there I think only then you can actually look at, well, can technology really add value and okay, where so it, and where does it add the most value? Because 
Yeah. I think unless you articulate that and understand that properly, you won't you won't see the value. So and give, I think give, you also have an... to understand what your key metrics are as well. So just um, can you give me an example, a simple example where, you know, it, 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 you think it's pretty unarguable that there is a, a relatively standard pro- problem um, for which technology clearly uh, adds value. So I, I would say if we if we look at the buying and selling process, I think it's uh, inarguable that prop tech can play a, a key role and can add value. You know, I, I myself bought my first flat about three years ago and it took me six months. It was a new build flat, so there was no chain. It should have been quite a quick process, so I thought. But at that particular time, um, it was it was just after Grenfell and so they had brought in new safety measures and a new new EWS1 form um, that was required to com- be completed by the property owner. And the mortgage lender had a very different view of what information was required versus the property owner. So whilst that is not a, you know, that's, I guess, quite an unusual challenge, which everybody was sort of still grappling with at that particular time, the communication between the different stakeholders was so slow. So whilst you may, you know, have different views of the property and different views of what information is required, that's understandable. It was a new sort of form that had been brought in. The, the delay in the communication is something that was really unnecessary. Um, and, it, and, and it actually meant that in the end, I had to go with a different mortgage lender. Um, the, the conveyancer that I used had a really sort of slick prop tech tool, which really was helpful to keep me as a you know, first time buyer informed of what, what was happening in the process. But that was not... Um, that was not being sort of used by any of the other stakeholders. Um, I don't think that the property owner or the conveyancer, or sorry, the, the mortgage lender was using any sort of tech solution. Um, and so I think if they had all been using something to communicate better, we could have really saved at least two or three months. And we're seeing that already in the property industry with the buying and selling process. We're seeing companies uh, like Conveo or Koju or Offer really yeah. speeding up the process just by everybody talking better together and, and having that transparency over who's doing what and what's causing the delays. So I think that's, you know, it's it's a no-brainer really in that particular part yeah. of the process. Yeah. So if you had, um, I'm sort of piecing this together, I mean, and particularly from a sort of transaction point of view rather than the kind of building management point of view or portfolio management point of view, but if you had... Um, uh, uh, e- even though we might be using different software because we, you know, law firm A has come together with law firm B in a random way because we've been chosen by our, you know, our clients, not that <laughs> we didn't choose each other. So if our systems were able to connect up and they were able to share information on the property, you know, the parties, the terms of the deal, the progress, etc., then. It is an essential, you know, it's an important information flow and it's a high risk and high value information flow, but it is an information flow is what I'm, what I'm hearing from you. And therefore, if you can, uh, you know, if everyone can see the information live, including, the, I guess, the clients as well, um, then the thing should just be faster, which brings me, I guess, to, you know, two things that we know aren't there, um, which is... Um, the, the stuff you need to feed into the hopper 
um, and the time it's fed into the hopper, which is the information itself. So do, do you, um, what information are we lacking in digital form? Um, is that a big you know, barrier to, to, to adoption and, and use of prop tech? Um, and how do you make people, you know, what, what, what investments needed to be made by whom in that, in that data, making it digital? And also, how do you make people use it? How do you make people bring that information to the front of the transaction so everyone has that shared picture from the, from the get-go? Good question. I think if I could answer all of that, we probably wouldn't need to have the DPMSG. <laughs> so I'm not sure I can, can answer all of that myself. Um, I'm probably not as qualified as some of the other um, industry sort of representatives that are involved in the property chain um, and the process on a more sort of day-to-day basis than I am. Um, but I think if we look at this from, you know, more broadly, the prop tech adoption, I think there needs to be more education in terms of what tech can do, particularly in this in this part of the process. I think, as I mentioned, in the commercial world, you know, you, you have people responsible for innovation that are looking at this. They're employed to to look at what prop tech solutions are out there and to create a proper strategy around it. I think that's probably lacking in this part of, of the industry. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there are obviously companies that can provide consultancy services, which should be, which I think is really helpful. Um, but I think they need to engage more in the conversation around technology um, and start to, to really kind of see where the value is. And I think also consumers can, can help drive this as well. I think that's something that some of the prop tech companies in this space have actually changed their business models and changed their strategies and started engaging more with the consumer who is then driving um, driving the, the, those involved in the, in the buying and selling process from an industry professional perspective to use the technology. So and we, we, you know, we've seen that across the property industry that changing consumer expectations yeah. has driven technology adoption. As soon yeah. as you start to see, actually, you need to, there's a real, um, the, the, as soon as there's a bit of a power shift, you know, we've seen that in the office space. People are, are not, no longer coming into the office five days a week. And so, you know, the, the, the power has shifted somewhat. And now technology is looked at as a way to engage people in the office, to create a better experience for them, to make yeah. decisions on how the space is utilised. Um, and that's in response to to the way in which consumers are operating in a, in a different way. And so I think that we should look at that trying to encourage consumers to, to be involved in, to engage with um, the agent or the conveyancer. And, that's and a really, pa- really powerful point because it's, it, um, it's interesting how when I asked you, you know, where's the value in, in prop tech? You turn to your own personal experience to explain the value, rather than describing mm. the technology itself. So, um, and and that frequently happens. You know, when we, when anyone says, you know, can, can it be done better? People turn to their own personal experience of what being in the property market feels like, and say, well, yes, because that wasn't, you know, that was not yeah. not great. <laughs> so, um, uh, I think 
um, you know, that uh, there's a question then of how do you get consumers to exercise their their power? Because um, you know, in the home buying and selling process, less so in commercial property, because commercial property are you know are frequent flyers that you know you. you uh, as a business, you are a regular user of, of you know the market and the services in the market. But as a as a home buyer, you're not, are you? So, um, but do you, do you think people's just expectation that they should be able to do things quickly and on their phone and without having to you know print stuff off and go into banks and sign things? Do you, do you think they're they're just going to you know frown upon? old-fashioned ways of dealing um, and just mark, you know, vote with their feet and just go towards those who are technologi- technologically enabled? Yeah, I think I think if they're uh, aware that there is other companies that are doing it differently and their experience will be much better as a result of that, then suddenly the power shifts, doesn't it? So, you know, if, if I am selling my flat and I am approached by or I, I'm aware of an agent that says to me, well, I can sell this property in four weeks. Why would I not go for them? You know, I would go, I would probably choose to go with, with a company who says that to me and has proven that that is, you know, the case and that they can do it versus an agent that puts it on the market and then it could take three to four months, particularly if I have a real need to move quickly, you know. So I think it's about actually appealing to, to the needs of the consumer yeah. and giving them that choice. Suddenly, the power then shifts. We've seen that in the banking world. Yeah. You know, you have to have some companies that are disrupting the way that the, the way that the industry is doing things and changing processes. Yeah. And I think we're now starting to see that in this particular part of the industry. We are starting to see companies that can actually do the whole transaction um, using technology so it's whether you know if if agents and conveyances want to stay relevant then they start need to start being technology enabled otherwise those that are will come in and win that business from them so finally um the land registry uh, and ordnance survey your your old um uh, organization um together they they support uh, Geovation, um, which is a, a, a starter uh, hub for um, prop tech businesses. Um, I presume you think that's a good idea, um, but what else can can land registry um, and you know other you know, public sector bodies do to uh, support the healthy um, you know, acceleration and innovation and, and usefulness of prop tech? Yeah, no, I think I think what um what Geovation is, is doing is, is great. I mean, I've I've seen quite a few of our members come out of, of that accelerator program that Geovation offer and then go on to other incubators and get investment from the likes of PyLabs and Reach UK and others. So, you know, it's it seems like it's a really good sort of starting place for startups that are using land registry and OS data in their prop tech solutions. And what I think has worked really well there is the fact that they can get access to the data quite quickly under different arrangements than what they would have to uh, go through if they went direct. So they you know, can play around with it and they can trial it. And I, I think we need to be doing more of that. We need to create uh, more opportunities to test new prop tech ideas or to test 
test out innovation. So create that environment that can help with that research and development um, without, with as many sort of, um, you know, eradicating any, any barriers to doing that as much as possible. Thank you. Sammy, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been uh, a pleasure. I look forward to uh, working with you in the steering group. Um, it's fantastic to have you and the Department for Leveling Up as our new members. I think we've got about 14 members now. Um, and um, uh, thank you for listening. Um, please do all that like and subscribe things that make sure that you um, can uh, hear the next episode. We've got uh, three episodes already published as well, and we have quite a long list now of others uh, who we are going to interview from across the property sector. So thank you very much, Sammy, and um, we'll uh, see you uh, all on the next episode. Thanks, Mike. It's been a pleasure. This is Property With A View, available on all the usual platforms. Please do leave a review and a rating. 